Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are looking at Hosea chapter 7. In this chapter, again, we're in a section where God is laying down judgment uh, on the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Samaria and Ephraim, um, those are names um, uh, referred to in the northern kingdom. Ephraim was one of the tribes up there, and Samaria was the capital of this northern kingdom. Um, You know, the northern kingdom was not following God's law. It was turning away from God. It was. It was the people were um, doing a lot of Baal worship, a lot of idol worship, um, a, and a lot of this Baal worship involved sexual immoralities. And of course, a lot of these new morality uh, in the kingdom sort of echoes the new morality that we see, you know, in our society today. And so God is um, telling them that. Uh, he's going to have to judge them because of their immorality. And so we'll jump right in verse uh, 1, chapter 7. When I would heal Israel, the iniquity of Ephraim is revealed and the evil deeds of Samaria, for they deal falsely. The thief breaks in and the bandits raid outside, but They do not consider that I remember all their evil. Now their deeds surround them. They are before my face. God's telling them, look, I know you. You think you do things in secret. You think you do things that I don't understand or don't know. I see it all. And I remember their deeds. I can't let those deeds go unchecked in my presence because I'm a holy God. Verse 3, by their evil they make the king glad and the princes by their treachery. They are all adulterers and they are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. What a waste that is. You've, You've taken all this time to make bread and you've prepared it and you're like um, heating up an oven, but you don't keep the fire hot enough so you can cook the bread. You're just going to go through the motions of cooking the bread. You're going to waste the food, and when the food comes out, it's not even fit to eat. What do you do with that food 
that's not even halfway cooked. You got to throw it out, don't you? It's a waste. And that's what these people are acting like, just a waste. They're like bread that's not even cooked because somebody doesn't even take the time to, to keep the fire going. Where's the fire in their hearts for the Lord? Where's the fire in their uh, in their minds or in the priests' minds or in the rulers' minds or in the king, the princes' minds? On the day, verse 5, on the day of our king, the princes became sick with the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand with mockers, for with hearts... Like an oven, they approach their intrigue. All night, the, their anger smolders, and in the morning, it blazes like a flaming fire. It's another analogy to um, an oven. Sometimes it smolders, and sometimes it blazes like a flame. It's like the passion. You think the passion's okay, and it's smoldering, but it's never put out. And then it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are as hot as an oven, and they devour their rulers. All their kings have fallen, and none of them calls upon me. All these kings in the northern kingdom were pretty lousy kings, according to McGee. They just had themselves a, just a bad string of kings. And what's the common denominator of these kings? None of them calls upon the Lord. And their passions are sort of never put out. They're never quenched. They just, they're like a smolder. This is like a smoldering oven. One minute it's blazing fire with passion, and the other minute it never goes out. Verse 8, Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strain, you know, a cake not turned. It's burnt on one side and raw on the other. McGee says like cooking a pancake wrong. It's not even good to eat. Verse 9, strangers devour his strength and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him and he knows it not. You know, you're wasting your life. You're getting old. Your hairs are getting gray. People are devouring your strength. What strength? Your physical strength? No, your spiritual strength. People are taking away. They're robbing your spiritual strength from you. Blind in front of your eyes, you don't even know it. They're robbing your eternal life in front of you. Blind. You don't even know it because of their morality affecting you. You don't even know it. Verse 10, the pride of Israel testifies to his face, yet they don't return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. Why don't they turn to God? Because of pride. They're interested in their own self. They're not interested in what God's agenda is. They got too much stuff going on for themselves. And if they acknowledge God, they'd have to bring themselves down a rung or two. Verse 11, Ephraim is like a dove, silly, without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. Ephraim thinks they're going to make some peace treaties and get stronger. But all they're doing is not calling on God. And making peace treaties with other men and other nations is not as good as, as making peace with God in your heart or calling on Him for His strength. Silly like doves, just running around, not accomplishing anything. Verse 12, as they go, I will spread over them my net. I will bring them down like birds of the heavens. I will discipline them according to the report made to their congregation. Woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. I, God wants to, 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 to love his people. God wants to forgive his people, but their hearts are not on him.
they're just like silly little doves going after um, what their next meal might be and they're not even understanding where they're going. Verse 14, They do not cry to me from the heart, but they wail upon their beds for grain and wine. They gnash themselves. They rebel against me. People aren't calling to God from the heart. That's what He wants. He doesn't want a lot of sacrifices or empty words. He wants people's hearts to be changed. Verse 15, Though I trained and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not upward. They are like treacherous, like a treacherous bow. Their princes fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. Wow, a lot of strong words there. The insolence of their tongue, their lying tongues, and they're not looking upwards. They're looking around to themselves. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. They're going to call on foreign powers to try to protect them when God says, if you would just call on me, I would protect you. Why? Because I'm your father. I am. I love you like your heavenly father, but you don't call on me. You don't call on me with your heart. And this is what God is telling them. This is what God is telling us today. Are we calling on God with our hearts? Or do we have too much pride in the way? God wants your heart the same today, just as these, just as the northern kingdom back here in Hosea's time. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. We'll, I'll end here. I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. And um, this week for me, uh, I'm uh, having to, to run into work so early. I'm having to do this podcast on the fly. But I can't keep my uh, eyes from looking at these words because these words are just as important to us today as it was for um, this northern kingdom. Now, this northern kingdom eventually is going to fall into the hands of the Assyrians, but God God is telling them over and over. He's warning them over and over. And just the same way, God warns us too. We've got to keep our hearts focused on Him, our eyes focused on Him, our minds focused on Him. Because if we don't, and we let ourselves go astray, we'll be just like these people. And it's so easy to let your mind off of God, your heart off of God, your eyes off of God. And when you do that, it's a very dangerous, slippery slope. You see what happens to these people. It can happen to us today. A very strong call for us today from Hosea. So from me to all of you, God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Hosea chapter 7, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 16. So we are still in the section where God is dealing harshly with the northern kingdom. That's Ephraim. And, you know, in a tender way, he is 
um, attempting to call them back before judgment comes. So he is telling them he's going to judge them harshly, but he's calling them back in a tender way. He's saying, Ephraim, you know, I know you, you come back to me. So in this chapter, Israel turns to Egypt and Assyria instead of turning to God. So verse one of chapter seven reads, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered and the wickedness of Samaria for they have committed fraud. A thief comes in. A band of robbers takes spoil outside. So here, you know, we have the first mention of Samaria. Samaria is the capital of Ephraim, and the northern kingdom. So um, Omari made it the capital. And his son Ahab and his wife Jezebel built a palace up on the hill of Samaria. Beautiful place. Um, it's got a beautiful view. You know, for those people who have actually been there. So, um, and it overlooks the entire area, you know, the Northern Kingdom. So today it's, you know, a desolate waste and God's judgment is upon it. So the sin of Israel that had been covered now is being uncovered. So what they had been doing secretly, they were now doing openly. And there was no shame or conscious, you know, relative of or to their sin. So the Lord would forgive their iniquity, but their persistence in it and, you know, to go further in it is what made the Lord actually come to um, judge them. So it's one thing to sin in secret. It's not a good thing to actually sin. But when one attempts to actually flaunt it, um, you know, in, in, in the open, then, you know, you have just like gone to a new low. And this is what we have people doing today. You know, today people sin openly. They make certain things look like, oh, because it's modern, it's the modern reality. You know, you have a lot of people today, nowadays, cohabiting and having children outside wedlock. You know, they have legitimate children and it's made to look normal. You know, nowadays we have, um, you see all these, um, what do they call them? Rainbow parades, you know, where everyone says, oh, hey, everyone has rights. You know, oh, hey, you know, like they, they, they have all these, um, what, did, what do they call it? The alphabet. You know, the LGBTQP, I don't know, XYZ, but, you know, you have all these uh, people coming up in the open and fighting for their rights and people, you know, they're getting like all these rights. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're openly getting married, these gay people and, you know, it's a new morality and we're stepping down, you know, as nations and it's not, you know, a mark of advancement because now we're looking at it like, oh, hey, we're more advanced, we're getting away from, you know, the old way of thinking, the draconian way of thinking and all. It's not an advancement at all. No, it's like we're reaching a new low. Like um, back then, um, you know, way back then in the past, you know, they they were even thinking better than we are. We're just like reaching a really, really new low. Um, I think which is like worse than animals, I guess. So verse 2 of um, Hebrews chapter 7 goes on to read, they do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. So here now, God says, you know, they are doing all this in the open. And, you know, he knew that they were actually sinners, even if they, they sin. Because nowadays, like, oh, because not nowadays, because, you know, when we sin in the dark, in, the, in you know, behind closed doors, you know, what might be a secret here is an open scandal in heaven. You know, because God knows everything. So, you know, there were sinners before and they 
have taken a step further back, you know, and they um and he's attempting to actually call them back to him and they have reached the lowest depth of immorality. And this is what's happening today. And this is what happened to these people in the Northern Kingdom. Verse 3 of um, Hosea chapter 7 reads, They make a king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. So here, the king and the princes, you know, they applauded um, all of the immorality that was going on. And today we have leaders who, you know, they give themselves to, you know, a lot of immoral things. You know, we have leaders who, you know, foul mouth, you know, blasphemers, you know, they just use really horrible language. And, um, you know, they're, you know, they see nothing wrong with the deterioration of the morality in a society. Um, because they themselves have mixed themselves up with the people and it's a sad reality today. Verse 4 of um, Hosea 7 goes on to read, They are all adulterers like an oven heated by a baker and ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. So here we have another figure of speech. You know, Hosea has been using figures of speech. He uses nature to give his, uh, like the last figure of speech that we actually saw, he used nature. So here, the baker got his own oven ready. That's what this is basically talking about. He got his own oven ready, but he held back the heat of it and didn't let it get hot enough to actually cook the bread until he got the dough all kneaded and ready. Then he turned the heat up. So instead of actually turning the heat up in the oven so that by the time he's getting the dough ready, you know, the oven is hot enough. So he says, you know, they are all adulterers. So he's talking about, he's not talking about like spiritual adultery here. He's talking about the gross immorality amongst the people there. You know, what they were doing. You know, they were adulterers. They were fornicators. They were liars. They were murderers. So before they kept their sins undercover and now they are like an open oven heated hot with passion and today you know you have people trying to prove themselves you know women are trying to prove themselves that they are sexually alert you know they are in touch with their sexual or in tune with their sexual um awareness and men are trying to prove themselves as being uh virile uh virile yeah and this is now in the open you know it's sad where you know you have people are openly putting putting it out there you know when you turn on the tv today you know you have um you know women are sexualized you know, from the way they are dressing from the way they are behaving they're moving you know it's sad you know we can't you know we end up being unable to choose our own content of what we want to actually see or hear on tv because it's just put out there it's the modern morality Verse 5 goes on to read, In the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers. So here the king has become an alcoholic and is making a fool out of himself. So idolatry brought down the northern kingdom and idolatry always leads to gross immorality. You know, there's, idolatry brings, you know, because there is no social... um control social moral compass you know because if you have a social moral compass and you obey god and you know god's teachings and we grow in the knowledge of god you know it's it's um 
it um, directs a nation or directs a society in a certain morally upright um, direction. But in a case where, you know, there's just idolatry, where people worship, um, you know, they substitute God for, you know, earthly things. They worship earthly things in place of God. You know, people worship money. People worship themselves. People worship, you know, there's, you know, nowadays you turn on the TV, there's all this, like, you know, praise about, you know, all these celebrities, you know, sports stars and all. You know, this leads to gross immorality because people try to attain to be, um, you know, what they're not and and to 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 follow certain leads and certain examples and you know or people tend to idolize money more tend to idolize fame more it leads to gross immorality you know and this leads to things like drinking prostitution and you know wine and women um so you know this is what had become of the northern kingdom Verse eight, 6, sorry, goes on to read, They prepare their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. Their baker sleeps all night. In the morning, it burns like a flaming fire. So here, everything is done to stir up the passion of men and women. So, um, you know, what you find in, like, you know, like I said earlier, the contents you find on radio and television, you know, it just sexualizes women. So we see nothing wrong with... Um, you know, with it, you know, this sexualization of, you know, um, women and, 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 you know, just people. Like, I can give an example, the Super Bowl. You know, the performance at the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you have these two celebrities. Um, you know, the way they're dressed, the way they're dancing. You know, it's just sad because, you know, other people who tend to watch that, you know, the younger society or people who are not famous and all, they think and see that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so this is where we've actually... You know, this is the level, the standard of how far back we have fallen. And we tend to think we are advanced in our thinking, but we're not. Verse 7 goes on to read, They are all hot like an oven, and they, are, they and have devoured their judges. All their kings have fallen. None among them calls upon me. So the northern kingdom never has never, actually never had a good king. Um, you know, Judah, the southern kingdom, had a few good kings. Uh, you know, five of them had led um, in a revival. So every king in the northern kingdom was actually wicked. You know, you have Ahab and Jezebel. They reached the bottom of that list of wickedness. So many of the kings were actually slain in the northern kingdom. So, you know, they either, like, you know, the their lineage was cut off or they didn't complete their reign because, you know, they, was, they, were got, they got slain or murdered. That's what um happened to um to most of them and this was, you know, a judgment upon them. They didn't realize it, but it was a judgment upon them. And you know, these kings are you know God didn't choose these kings, so they were not from uh, the blessed line of David. So verse eight goes on to read Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. So here now, God, you know, God doesn't go for mixtures. God just goes, goes, God goes for purity. He doesn't go for mixtures at all. So God has said it's best we stay on our own level in our own crowd. You know, if you don't have a business belonging to a certain crowd or to a certain level, best you stay in your own lane, level, and crowd. 
So, um, you know, as believers today, we should recognize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, the question of race, color, creed, you know, background or upbringing should not divide us, you know, as a body of believers. We are, you know, we all belong to un- to one body. Um, and that's Christ. Because we are one in Christ. So Ephraim is, here the scripture says, Ephraim is a cake uh, not turned. So here this means it's a picture of a nation that's hot uh, but burnt on one side and raw on the other side. So they blow hot and cold towards God. So this is how, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us actually function today. This is how a lot of people, you know, God's children are living, you know, um, in this Christian life. So, you know, we blow hot, you know, in one situation or one crowd and we blow cold in another situation. We're not consistent. And this is how this nation was. You know, as believers, you know, it's either you're for Christ or you're against Christ. You can't be in the middle or you can't be blowing like today you're mixing with this crowd or in this situation, you know, everything's fine. And or like, oh, hey, let me join, you know, uh, the modern morality and just try and fit in. And then, you know, tomorrow you're you're like you're hot. And that's how this nation was. So scripture goes on to read at read at verse nine. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and they're on him, yet he does not know it. Uh, verse ten, and the pride of Israel testifies in his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all. From for all this, verse eleven, Ephraim also is like a silly dove, without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. So here, it says Israel is like a silly dove. So um, you know, for people who've gone dove hunting, I've never been dove hunting, and I heard this first from Dr. J.B. McGee. Like, if you go dove hunting, um, and the dove has a nest, if the nest has eggs in it or has little ones in it, and if you try to go nearer, you know, the dove, you know. The mother dove acts like she has a broken wing and lets you get close to her. So she's, you know, this is a way of her luring you away. And this is, you know, it's not smart at all. As, you know, it actually tells two things, you know. The first one is when you get close, you know that there is a nest nearby. And the second thing is she actually endangers her life. You know, it doesn't lure you away, obviously, which is just silly. And here, Ephraim, you know, didn't turn to God. Actually, they first ran to Egypt for help, and um, they changed because Egypt couldn't give them the kind of help they wanted, and they changed, and they went to Assyria when Egypt wouldn't actually give them the help they actually needed. So they went back and forth. They're like a silly dove. That's what they are. So um, verse 12 goes on to read, Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air i will chase them according to what their congregation has heard so here they're just like the silly doves they go back and forth instead of going to seek um the lord they decide to go to egypt then they decide to go to assyria who later on took them into um, captivity verse 13 goes on to read woe to them for they have fled from me destruction to them because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. So here God had a redemption for them. But, you know, 
they were not turning to him. They were turning from the living and true God. So, you know, application today, you know, no matter what you're going through, whatever situation, turn to the Lord. Always turn to the Lord because God has a redemption for you and me. You know, don't go seeking um, help um, from, 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 you know, other people. They're not going to help you. God is always there for you no matter what. Verse 14 goes on to read, They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds. They assembled together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. So, you know, God's the provider of everything, you know. And this is one thing they didn't realize that, you know, the fame uh, they were having. Oh, sorry, not the fame. What am I saying? Oh, the famine they were having um, was a judgment from God. Um, God was judging them because initially when everything was right, um, they didn't turn to God because they thought, you know, it's coming from their own strength and from their own like heathen gods. So they didn't turn to God. So now when things got from bad to worse, to worse, to worst, um, instead of turning to God, they still went and ran to Egypt and then went to Assyria. And God said he was going to judge them because he had been calling them tenderly, Ephraim, I know you, you know, turn to me. And they didn't want to turn to God. And God was telling them, you know, because the judgment's going to be harsh. Scripture goes on to read verse 15. Though I disciplined and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, that's verse 16, they return, but not to the most high. They are like treacherous, they're like a treacherous bow. The bow and arrow, they're like, you know, an arrow that breaks when you put it in the bow, like an unreliable arrow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their um, derision in the land of Egypt. So here, you know, like I said, you put an arrow in a bow and it breaks and you can't depend upon it. And these were these people, they couldn't be depended upon. You know, they're facing trouble and all. Instead of turning to the true and living God, they turn to Egypt. So Egypt now, you know, it will begin to make a mockery of them. Like, oh, look at these people, you know, for the way they were acting in that day. You know, it will begin to make a mockery of them. Like, oh, hey, they say they have the true and living God, but look at them. They are suffering and all because they decided to, to turn to the wrong person, to turn to the wrong nation, to turn to the wrong direction, you know, instead of turning to God for help. You know, God is always there for us. You know, he's always there. You know, uh, no matter what situation you're going through, you know, a situation cannot be too hard or cannot be too small or big for God. You know, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. God is always there. He's always there to listen, to comfort us, to protect us. You know, he's seated at the right hand in order to keep us safe, to protect us, in order to keep us saved. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. Sorry, um, I, can't, I can't really open my mouth that wide. I had like um, a dentist fidgeting in my mouth. So I've got like some pain. But I think I'm audible enough. Yeah, thank you all. God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.